Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We welcome you along to the programme, hoping you all had a, a nice, relaxing weekend. Somebody who certainly didn't have a, a relaxing weekend, but who certainly had an exciting weekend and somebody we deserve to start sending our congratulations to. And that is Leona Maguire on becoming the first Irish golfer to win on the Ladies Professional Golf Association Tour. And congratulations to Leona. It was led by our own president, Michael D. Higgins, who described it as a historic achievement. The 27-year-old from Ballyconnell in County Cavan uh, was, according to Michael D., another fantastic Irish sportswoman leading the way internationally in our own Thichok. Michal Martin described her win as a brilliant achievement, while County Cavan-born Minister for Sport, Catherine Martin, described Leona Maguire's win as a great day for Irish golf. For her own part, Leona tweeted yesterday that she had dreamt about this moment for a long time and were only getting started. Couldn't have done it without the help of my incredible family and uh, friends. And of course, it was on the eve of her mom's birthday. So it was a wonderful birthday present to her mother, uh, Breather, who said she was bursting with pride. And there's lovely photographs on a lot of the papers today of... Um, Leona Maguire. It's terrific. It really is terrific and well done because we've seen so many of the male golfers, Irish male golfers do well but this is the first time now a female has risen to the top and I have a funny feeling because she's only 27. I think we're going to be seeing and hearing a lot more about uh, Leona Maguire. Congratulations to her. And let's stay with the congratulations and I can already see some texts coming in on this on the Eurovision Song Contest and we will be talking about it on the programme this morning with Johnny Omani, our Eurovision correspondent. Last Friday night, selection for who will represent us in Eurovision. Turin in May is where the Eurovision is going to be held and it is a young girl from Derry um, by the name of Brooke Scullion. I don't know how many people, how many, the radar she was on for other people. I certainly hadn't come across uh, Brooke before, but then doing a bit of digging around at the weekend, I discovered she was one of the finalists for the Voice of UK in 2020. And that's not an easy thing 
to even make it through to The Voice UK, let alone to become one of the finalists. So certainly, certainly listening to her, she has an absolutely stunning uh, voice. Her song is That's Rich and it's the first song she's actually written herself as well. Certainly is different. We'll play the song as well for people. I always think, because, you know, you hear it the first time, you think, oh, I don't know about that. And then it's the second time. And it was interesting listening to Ken. He said, having heard it a second and a third time, he now is getting into the song. And that's how you always know a good song. If, you know, if on hearing it the second and third time, you've already picked up the tune. You, you, you certainly think then that it is a good song. But your thoughts, was it the right song? The general public certainly thought it was the right song. They, it was the most popular song for the general public. It was the most popular song for the international jury. The only jury that didn't give us their top vote was the jury of four that were in studio. They placed her second last out of the six songs. And of course, our own Patrick O'Sullivan, who we were all wishing the very best of luck to because he was the only one in the competition from Cork. And I only when again doing some research before we, we were speaking with Patrick on the programme, the last Cork person to represent Ireland in the Vision was Cahill Dunn and uh, I think it was something like was it 40 nearly 40 years ago or something was the last time we had somebody from Cork but Patrick O'Sullivan was absolutely uh, superb but unfortunately a better song won on the night Mary said I watched the song contest on Friday night and I thought Patrick O'Sullivan did brilliant you don't you don't need to win that competition to go far because he certainly will go far and he's good looking to boot he will go right the way to the top with his career Brooke from Derry was good and bubbly and she'll go far as well. Will she bring home gold from Turin? I really hope so, says Mary. Good night's songs for a change. And there was no turkey. <laughs> that's always the day. And that's what happened. Remember the year we sent we sent Dustin the turkey? And the reason we sent Dustin the turkey was down to the public vote. People, he had a lot of fans at the time and people thought this was the way to go. Let's send a turkey. And we, we know that how well that went uh, for us. And somebody by WhatsApp saying, Hi Patricia, I'm Brooke Scully in winning the Eurosong on Friday night. The song was the best, I felt, of a bad lot. Whoa. The staging and styling, though, was woeful, I felt. That being said, it's a different type of entry for us. And hopefully with a bit of tweaking and a bit of a revamp, we will get out of the semi-finals, says this listener. No name on that, but liking the song. And I think you're right. I do think it's different. I think the, it's different to what we have ever sent before, uh, for sure. Uh, so we welcome your thoughts if you watched the song for Europe on Friday. Your thoughts welcomed. John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 and all of the papers uh, today and I imagine right across all of the news bulletins uh, today. Further discussion on the cost of living and what can the government do about the cost of living. A one-off payment to tackle the cost of living crisis for low-income households. That's one that looks set to be agreed by the Cabinet Subcommittee and it'll be rolled out within weeks. And I think they really need to move on this and they really do need to roll it out sooner rather than later. This committee that's been set up by the, the Cabinet will meet this week and they're going to try to tackle the impact of the rising inflation. Now there's a number of options on the table. One that was gaining a lot of momentum at the weekend includes a doubling of the €100 electricity credit for households that everybody is waiting on. We still haven't got that yet but there's talks of maybe increasing that 
to €200. Euro, and that certainly would be targeted and every household in the country would uh, receive it. They're also looking at things like the wavering of the hospital fees. They're looking at reducing the cost of public transport. I know what was being floated at the weekend was the renewal cost of a passport. They're looking at reducing that. But I kind of think if somebody is not able to put food on a table and has a family and are really struggling. Are they really worried about the cost of renewing their passport? I don't think so. I think getting money into the hands of people are targeting money the way the electricity credit is going to work. I think it has got to be the way uh, to go. The Irish Examiner are writing about this with Aoife Moore this morning in the papers and she was speaking with one senior minister that although who said that although it's not yet been decided officially it is likely that there will be some kind of a one-off payment maybe around the €100 euro mark and that will be targeted at low-income families and at older people. Another minister said officials tasked with looking for options to reduce the cost of living are expected to present a menu of different choices over the coming days. Uh, A source says we still have to implement the decision on the electricity credit that will be in the next few weeks and it's important that we get that done quickly. Like lads, come on, you've been talking about that now since well before Christmas. They really do need to move on that. Things like tweaking the fuel allowance. Problem there is it only benefits a certain cohort, those who are receiving the fuel allowance and not everybody gets the fuel allowance. Whereas a lot of the ministers are saying the electricity credit is universal. So they may see some kind of a combination that could be some of the elements of the package. But the problem with giving it in the electricity credit is everybody gets it from very rich down to very, very poor. Whereas trying to just target low income families and older people, if that's a possibility, that might be a way that they'll go. The Taoiseach Mira Martin was speaking at the weekend. He said the government wants to move and wants to move on this issue uh, quickly. He said we would hope by the end of this week that they'll be in some kind of a position to announce the actual specific timeline and I think that's what everybody is waiting on and I know already WhatsApp in on this from Heidi saying Morning Patricia I know I'm back on to you about the subject of higher prices one of the things I noticed just yesterday we filled our car €1.69 a litre it cost over €70 to fill the car things have become so bad it's like a tsunami of high prices on all products that without people that people are paying and that's without people paying their higher energy bills. Is this government and RTDs aware of these issues or are they just too well paid that they don't notice? There must be things that can be done to help help families. Things like VAT and all of these carbon taxes. We need to stop these green taxes. They were brought in before, before any alternatives were in place. To me that's bad uh, planning and for us the ones who are taking the hits. I feel so sorry for families that are out there with young children. We're older now, but our own children have families. So we see these government policies and how it's affecting uh, those families. Kind regards, Heidi. I don't... Listen, everything you're saying is is spot on and so correct and so many people will agree with you. But I don't think that the government are out of touch just because they are well paid. I think every single government minister and every single government TD 
are very much aware how people are struggling because they're certainly hearing it and seeing it in their own constituencies and I'd say there isn't a day that they're not contacted by some lobby group or some group, some charitable group saying we need we, we need help. So they are very much aware of it and that's why a lot of the government focus now is purely on what the government can do to try to offset the inflation. And I know the Society of St Vincent de Paul have come out. They say there is a real danger of deepening poverty and worsening inequality unless the government measures to address increasing living costs are adequate. So they're already sort of saying to the government, we know you're looking at doing something, something, but these the measures that you introduce and that you're talking about introducing this week, they have to be uh, adequate. Cited Vincent de Paul said, and remember, Vincent de Paul have conferences all over the country. So they're in every single corner of uh, Ireland and their members are going into the homes of people that they are helping and they say that they are literally going into homes that have no power. The electricity isn't on. It's not that somebody oh I just won't put the light on because I'm saving it. The electricity is actually off has been shut off at the moment and they say some of their members are saying that they're forcing families to make choices. Do we heat the house or do we put food in our bellies? Other families are saying do I attend a hospital appointment? Do I use the car for that or do I use the car to get the children to a school? And Trisha Keelty, she's the social policy officer with the Society of Vincent de Paul. She's in the papers today talking about, you know, people who do prepay meters for their electricity. She said they've been talking with families who up to before the electricity prices started to rise, would put in between 20 and 30 euro into their meter and that would give them a good seven days of electricity. Now families are still putting in between 20 and 30 euro into their prepay meter and they're only getting about three days worth of electricity. And Vincent, so Vincent de Paul volunteers are going into people's houses where literally there is no electricity. If it's a prepaid meter, the meter has run out, the lights have gone off, gone off. So they're visiting people who are sitting there uh, around candles. And unfortunately, they're saying that this is now becoming more regular. They are seeing this on a weekly basis and they're saying it is really, really tough for people at the moment. They're speaking of people in rural areas. Somebody in rural area must rely on a car. They don't have a bus, a Dart or a Lewis outside their door. So they don't have, they can't say, oh, my car is a luxury. Their car is an essential to get them anywhere from A to B. And those families are, like Heidi saying, when they're filling up, they're finding it's costing more to fill up their tank every week or whenever they fill up their, their tank. So therefore, they're watching their petrol and diesel in the car and they're making choices around what is an essential travel and what's not an essential travel. And many, you know, families are saying, well, we need to get the children to school. We need to get to work. We need to try to get out and do a, a shop. And if in the midst of that, you have an adult in the house a mother, a father who has a hospital appointment that they need to drive to, they're going to say if they're in a rural area, that might be a 30, 40 mile journey each way. They're going to say, well, I'm going to save my petrol. I'll forgo that hospital appointment, which obviously is going to bring with it its own uh, problem. And Vincent de Paul are saying that there is a real danger. We're going to see a deepening of poverty 
if the package of supports that the government are talking about and they're saying they're going to put together if they are, are insufficient. So the government have really been put on warning by so many people. They are aware how difficult and how tricky it is, you know, and food poverty has become an issue. Social isolation has become an issue because if you somebody in a rural area can't take the car out, social isolation is happening there. But we're back to hard to believe, but we are back in uh, 2022 to families who are hungry. Uh, because of the rising cost of inflation. So let's wait and see and let's hope that the government do make all of the right decisions this week. Your thoughts are welcomed. Hi Patricia, as you mentioned earlier, inflation has gone through the roof. Everything has gone up. Everything can come financially down just as well. The public are not dummies. We're not stupid. There are ways to bring prices down and use different business techniques and methods. The problem is the public have been told what to do rather than be proactive themselves. Thanking you says Martin. It's hard to be proactive Martin though if you're on a very very fixed uh, income and on inflation Barry joins me. Good morning to you Barry. Uh, good morning. Uh, you're making the point of what is driving inflation at the moment and it's the cost of fuel isn't it? It really is because I was speaking with John Paul earlier on and the cost of transport between A and B even once it hits the port it's being transported by either heavy goods vehicles um, and from once it gets once it leaves the port to once the, po- the point where it is um, where it is discharged at the cost of bringing it there is phenomenal in the la- especially within the last year in the, with diesel and both petrol and now we're told to, and, we, and we're all in favour of course of bringing down emissions but the motorist is the one person and the lorry drivers that are being penalised most of all so what is happening is they're putting they are having to put the money on the goods in order to pay for the extra amount of diesel or petrol that they're, or the extra amount of money they're paying for both petrol and diesel. And that's why every single thing we purchase, uh, people are saying they're noticing the basics are going up, the bread and the Correct. milk is going up, because that has to be delivered and there's an additional cost in delivering no, that. We, we, uh, totally. I know when you take... When you take the point from the government's point of view, I think it's about seventy percent. There's about seventy percent of um, the cost of a litre of diesel or petrol goes to the government. Yeah, by way of taxation. Yeah, correct, correct. And I mean that is a huge chunk of money. So that's hurting people. That's hurting everybody. It's really hurting people uh, in transport because uh, they already had big. They had big uh, bills already. They're not. Their bills have some of the people. Some people's bills have uh, doubled and tripled, uh, you know, which is phenomenal. And they are putting that money has to go that they have to bring that back somewhere or another. And of course, the only way they can do it is by putting down the goods. Yeah. And, you know, people will be, I think, aghast to hear there is another increase in carbon tax due to come in on the 1st of May. And I know Micheál Martin was asked about it at the weekend, uh, saying, look, could you not at least even hold off on that carbon tax uh, increase? And he says, no, that will go ahead. It's going to be, I think it's another two and a half cent uh, per litre. Uh, It's going to go on from the 1st of May. 
Yeah, which is, I, I find that incredible because if you take the emissions out of all of our aircrafts, I know they've been down for the last two years, but they're going to be back up now and at it. Or if you drive around any city or any reasonably big town that has an industry there, you'll see the smoke bellowing into the air from, from all of these industries. There's plenty of them around uh, North Cork. You'll see it yourself there in some of the towns. There's plumes of smoke going into the air. And yet it's the motorist and the the ordinary individual that's being penalised for all of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, I really, it's the one time, I, I mean, and, I, and I'm all into understanding climate change and we need to do something about climate change, but I just think with the dramatic rise in inflation, could they not at least postpone that one increase in, in carbon uh, tax in, in May. I can't just, I can't understand it. I really can't understand it. All right, and, and by all accounts, on the we, we know the price of the barrel of oil has gone up on the world market, so that's pushing it up as well. And by all accounts, it's going to be there for at least another year before we see a decrease in that. Absolutely. And I mean, if there was an alternative, if we had an alternative to go electric, then great. But first of all, the electric, uh, any of the cars that are available at the moment, they're really, really overpriced then the actual charging points that are in rural Ireland especially but actually for most of the way down from Dublin uh, there's a few stations all right where you'll be able to pull in and you know charge up but there's very very few proper charging points and we're we're at the brink of electric in the in the amount of demand and supply Mm -hmm. so so we're in an issue there as well so there there's actually no alternative for the householder at the moment and that to me seems very very unfair yeah absolutely all right barry listen thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us uh, keep safe uh, Joe in Kilmallock just on the price of petrol 172.9 for petrol Ned in Canturk says the price of petrol around Duhallow ranges anything from 173 to 178 a, a litre but for people who are just going to be travelling around the region they have no other choice but to pay these high prices uh, what other form of transport do they have we're finding it hard just to get around says Ned in New market and he isn't like going off on a jolly on a day trip to Dublin or anything that's just going around in a rural area and that's what I mentioned earlier about the danger of, of isolation social isolation if people are trapped in their homes they have a car outside but they haven't the money to put the petrol or the diesel into it to get them out to mix with uh, people uh, thank you for your calls keep them coming John Paul is saying the calls at 0818 103 103 you can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Court today on C with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Well, last Friday we had a really busy programme with listeners sharing their thoughts on the rise in the cost of living with many citing examples of basic food items gone up in price over the last few weeks and here we are on Monday receiving similar calls to the programme. Social Justice Ireland say there are ways to help reduce the cost of living in this country and Michelle Murphy of Social Justice Ireland uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michelle. Good morning, and, Trish. Uh, and, you, and you're welcome. Now, we know that the government have been asking all of the different departments to draft policy proposals aimed at easing the financial burden of what are now record rates of inflation. But your group are putting forward two, what you call, practical ways that would help to reduce the cost of living. Talk to me first about what you're suggesting for social welfare payments. 
Yes, so there's two practical ways really to kind of, you know, the Taoiseach has been talking a lot about targeting. Well, these are two ways you can target probably the groups, groups who are being most impacted. So people on social welfare, fixed income or people in low paid employment. So in terms of social welfare, and we've, we've spoken about this before, we had asked the government uh, before the budget to benchmark social welfare payments to 27.5% of average weekly earnings which means if you benchmark social welfare payments to earnings, what means over time what that means, earnings always rise uh, more, you know, more quickly than inflation. So you don't get these huge jumps and you also don't get people falling behind when you've periods of economic growth. And we, you know, we've been asking for this now for a number of years. So to do that, you, what you would have needed in budget 2022 was a 10 euro increase in core social welfare rates. And that would only go halfway to bridging the gap because, because the gap is, just over 20 euros. Now, what we're saying to government is, okay, you gave five euros in the budget, but if you're really going to address the cost of living long-term, because what it's, what's important to remember here, Patricia, is the cost of utilities are spiking now, but if you look long-term, the cost of fuel will rise consistently because in order to meet our climate targets, obviously the carbon tax on fuel is going to go up and we're going to be trying to incentivize people to move you know, to more sustainable forms of transport. So in the long term, that cost is going to keep rising. So you need to look at how you support families to meet that cost. And so we heard the Taoiseach talking about, you know, using the social welfare and taxation system. Well, for a start, you should be looking at the core payments, how you increase those, benchmarking it to average weekly earnings and setting out for people how it's going to be done. So what their government are going to do this year and what they're going to do in 2023 and beyond, because that gives certainty to people. Because he outlined what your listeners were saying. And if you're on a fixed income, so for example, if you're on a pension, job seekers benefit or a, you know, a disability payment, and if prices go up, you don't have any room for manoeuvre because the, I suppose the three things you can't avoid are food, paying for your, your utilities or fuel and paying for your housing. And those costs are continually increasing. And you generally are going to have to cut back elsewhere. And what we found just last year is that one in 10 people went without heating their home because they couldn't afford it in order to meet another cost. And that, that figure actually relates to 2020. So that will have only increased last year and this year again. So I think yeah, it's really look, important yeah, to look at social welfare. Yeah, looking start. at how high energy costs have mm. gone. I mean, I, I mentioned at the start of the programme this morning, the societies of Vincent de Paul are coming out and, and they're unique in that they're all over the country and their members are visiting people all over the country from our big cities to our towns to our villages to our rural areas. You know, and they're, they're talking about their members going into homes where the electricity, the lights are gone because people are on a prepaid meter, can't afford to top it up, sitting around a candle. Yeah, in 2022. I mean, it's absolutely unacceptable, which is why I really think government needs to plan this. I mean, they've asked every department to come up with ideas, but why didn't they do this before they decided to give €100 Euro credit to utility companies? Because that's really not going to assist people who are already in arrears or, you know, people who might be in rental accommodation and, you know, their their utilities are included in the rent. Or, you know, people who, you know, are reliant on oil or some other fuel to heat their home. I mean, that's, it's not, you know, and they're talking about targeting now, but they could have targeted the 100 euro payment because the majority of social welfare payments are means tested. So you can target the people who need it most. And I think we're kind of at a very late stage now to be looking for departments to come up with ideas for one-off payments. And I mean, what, what we're reading in the media is, 
you know, maybe a reduction in public transport fees is really welcome, but what about people who don't have access to public transport? How are you going to support them? Looking at, you know, reductions in terms of, um, you know, the unfair costs of the health service, but given our waiting lists, is that really going to have an impact on people? What they need to do is look at the social welfare system on one side, and then in terms of people, you know, who are on low-paid employment, you need to look at the tax credit system, because that's how you can reach all of those people. I mean, those are the two ways you can do it. I I thought one of the suggestions that was being bandied about last week, a reduction in the cost of renewing your passport. To me, that was a bit, somebody a bit out of touch. Totally out of touch because you renew your passport which is once every 10 years and how many people who are struggling with the cost of living are going to be going, renew, you know, looking at booking every, a holiday yeah. or thinking about it? It's completely out of touch. Okay, well, when you were talking about the benchmarking, the social welfare, so that's okay, that's one cohort, that's the, the people, cohort, people, income, are, yeah. people who are on social welfare. But a, a group of people that I've often spoken with, with you and, and with um, Father Sean on this programme are the working poor. Yes. You, you've, your other suggestion is refundable tax credits. Yes, which now can actually be implemented because revenue has updated their system on a weekly basis. So what it means is we all, you know, you and I and everyone in the PAYE system, you're entitled to two personal tax credits, two PAYE tax credits. And as long as you earn a certain amount of income, you get the full value of that, those tax credits. But for people in low-paid jobs, they don't. They don't get the full allocation. And that means when any increases to tax credits come, for you or I, we get them. But those people, they don't get the full value. So in actual fact, the tax system is discriminating against them because people on higher incomes get the changes, but this group don't. But if you make those credits refundable, that is a simple way to target this group. It you know, you'd get you'd reach about one hundred and thirteen thousand people who are in low paid employment. But then, when you add on the people in their households, that's another ninety one thousand people. Whether it's children, whether it's partners, most of these refunds go to people who are living below the poverty line. That you know, the most common refund you're going to get is either fifteen or nineteen euros a week, which isn't huge, but proportionately to that group of people, it's a significant, uh, you know, additional amount of money to have on a weekly basis and then once you make tax credits refundable because the only group who are going to see a refund are those in low paid employment that group that miss out on any budgetary changes in terms of taxation at the moment then that's how you target that group so any changes to the tax system so if you're going to give an increase in social welfare for example to deal with the cost of living then you can give in a commensurate increase in the tax credit to ensure that people in the PAYE system also get the benefit and you mean it means that that group of people automatically get the full value of it because at the moment we we don't have a way of targeting them they miss out on any sort of changes to either tax credits or bans or anything in the budget and they're consistently left behind and they are struggling and yet they're still working yeah they're They're working and they're living below the poverty line yeah they're people that go out to work they go out to work Every single day, you know, the people that, you know, the overactive spoke yeah. about get up, get up early in the morning. They do get up early in the morning and, and they do go out to work. I suppose the big question is, uh, Michelle, with these, which, which, as you say, two very practical proposals, can the government afford them? They can, because if you look at the amount of money they're spending on giving a hundred euro credit, you would be far better off to use that money and target these groups. And if you look at the fiscal space, and I know people hate that term, but you're looking at about $4.5 billion annually. That's before you look at any changes in terms of revenue. We can afford it. 
And ultimately, I think, you know, it would be a complete waste of money to look at changing, as you mentioned, you know, the, the, reducing the, the cost of renewing your, your um, passport, for example, or other one-off measures that aren't going to target the entire population, particularly the population in need. This is the way you target the, the two cohorts of the, cohorts of the population most in need. And then if they want to look long-term, because fuel, the cost of fuel isn't going to go down long-term because of, if you look at the carbon budgets that have been set out, if you're going to address that issue, there was a recommendation last year from the OECD that specifically at Ireland that the fuel allowance should be rebranded completely. It should be expanded to a year-long payment and you expand the cohort who are entitled to it. So you re, you reorganise the fuel allowance payment completely in order to make sure that you can support those people who in the long run are going to be most impacted by increased carbon taxes on fuel and the move, for example, towards electric vehicles. Because, if you, you know, if you're living in a rural, for a start, the cost of elect- an electric car is prohibitive. Mm. And secondly, until you start rolling out the public transport system to those communities, people still have to get into a car to get to the doctor, to get to the pharmacy, to go to drive your child to school or back if you don't have can't get to the school bus or even to get to the school bus in the first place or to go and do your shopping. That's the reality for people. Well, that yeah, is and, why and that's it, why we're hearing from people, you know, social isolation and it's not because they don't want to get out and about and meet people but they can't afford it. Like every single car journey you've got to make sure it's an essential car journey. Exactly because even last week I noticed in the space of three days the price of petrol at the pump at my local petrol station had risen by three cents. Yeah. Three cents in the space of three days, and I'm sure it's going to rise again this week. So you're constantly, if you're on a, you know, a fixed income or a low income, you have to make all those calculations, and that is what is exhausting for people because living on a low income or living in poverty. It's exhausting in terms of day-to-day living because you're constantly, you're doing your budgets. You're thinking about week-to-week survival. You're thinking, okay, well, I have to feed and clothe the children, so where can I cut back on things, for example? And it limits your options. It limits your opportunities. And, it, you know, it, the impact it has in terms of isolation, in terms of your mental health, in terms of health in general, and in terms of the, you know, the, the outcomes from for children overall, because... The CSO research that shows if you're a child who um, spends, you know, who especially as a teenager or even as a younger child, so you, your family is struggling in terms of income, that impacts on you for the rest of your life through no fault of your families, just through the fact of the amount of income that they had. So generally, your educational outcomes, they're not going to be as good as your peers. Probably the job you get, the pay you get long term is going to be lower than your peers. Your health outcomes are lower. All of those things have a huge impact, not only on people's lives, but they cost the state money as well. So it makes sense to invest in these two proposals now because it will address the cost of living and it will help you target those two groups yeah. who are most okay. impacted. And we all know the cost of food seems to be rising as well. Yeah, I saw I saw a woman on the TV talking about when, when she's everything paid that some weeks she can have 10 euro mm-hmm. left for food for herself and her child. It just really struck me. How would you even start to plan food for uh, the week uh, on we, 10 euro? And nutritious for food for, on for 10 an adult, euro. For an adult and a child. And Marion, one of our listeners, says this 100 euro electricity credit, is it true that it's also going to be paid to people who have holiday homes? If it is, that's a disgrace. And it is. It's going to every household, Yeah, because isn't there's it? no way of targeting. It's going to the utility company. company. Yeah. yeah. 
So it just goes to the bill. And I suppose one thing Patricia, that people forget is that if you, the real value actually of a social welfare rate, you know, if you look at the pension, the contributor pension, it's actually 233 euros. It's not the 256 that it should be because, you know, inflation has risen since 2011. The same with the job seekers payment. The real value of that, you know, when you go to the shop or to put petrol in your car, the real value that you have, it's not 208, it's 193 euros. And those figures are coming from the government's own parliamentary budget office. They did an analysis of a 10-year period of you know, the impact of inflation and wage rises on, on what the real value of a social welfare payment is. And that's the reality for people. You know, they're budgeting with that. And yes, you have, I think it's, what is it? It's almost three, well over 200 million euros going to be spent on this 100 euro credit. But it's not targeted. And, you know, uh, and that there 200 million even, euro could have been far better spent. There isn't even an option. Way. There isn't even an option for people who are doing okay uh, and don't need the 100 euro off their electricity. There isn't even an option for them to opt out. No, which, you know, because there's people who don't need it and particularly people who've been lucky enough to retrofit their homes. Their utility bills are so much lower than anyone else's and rightly so and we should be retrofitting all the homes. But those people are also going to get a 100 euro credit on a utility bill that arguably they probably do not need as much as people whose homes aren't yeah. retrofitted who are, you know, are poorly insulated and who, you know, those one in ten people who went without heating their home two years ago, which only will have increased last year. And as you said, people sitting there with the lights off and the heating Sitting off. around a candle. OK, yeah. well, we'll wait and see. We know that the Taoiseach has said the government wants to move quickly on the issue of trying to help people with the high cost of inflation. And they're hoping that a package will be announced by the end of the week. Uh, let's hope they get it right. Michelle, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for Thank that. Thank you very much, Patricia. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Michelle Murphy. And Michelle is with Social Justice Ireland, who I have to say are org- always an organisation who just always seem to make so much sense. It's always, it's almost like every time either Michelle is on or somebody else in the group or Father Sean Healy is on, they just seem to make so much sense and they lay it out in black and white. This is what can be done. And for some reason it's never done. I never understand why. On the fuel allowance, and of course the one thing about the fuel allowance, not everybody gets fuel allowance if they did decide to target uh, fuel allowance. Somebody says they need to pay fuel allowance to carers on carer uh, allowance. Uh, they don't always get this. Yeah, there's, a, there's a large cohort of people don't get the fuel allowance and it's it's means tested as well, isn't it? Uh, whatever they do, they need to wipe out the carbon tax in May. Well, that's not going to happen. And we had the Taoiseach saying at the weekend, besides not getting rid of the carbon tax, there is a carbon tax increase coming in in May. Uh, it'll be it'll put another, I think it's two and a half cent per litre and that's a carbon tax on fuels and that's going ahead on the 1st of May 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. And this is kind of a breaking news story for soccer fans. The FAI have confirmed there is a joint UK and Ireland bid to host the Euro 
2028. The FAI have confirmed they're in a bid with England, Scotland and Wales uh, to host the finals. The five associations that initially commissioned a feasibility study, they had been hoping that they might be able to one day host the World Cup. However, following an analysis of the economic impact, the political football landscape and the likely costs involved, the alliance instead said no. Rather than go for the World Cup, let's focus on the Euros instead. And hosting the UEFA European Championship would offer a similar return on investment with the European tournament carrying a far lower delivery cost and the potential of benefits uh, being realised uh, sooner. And obviously it would be a huge, huge honour for us here in Ireland if we were part of a group that collectively were, were given the nod to host UEFA Euro 2028 uh, finals. Now, looking down through, this is just, as I say, it's just a breaking news uh, story. The FAI CEO, Jonathan Hill, has says that there has been discussions with the GAA because obviously in relation to the potential use of Croke Park for the tournament, we certainly would have to look, uh, they would have to look to the GAA in order to be able to have the stadiums that they would need for it. So we'll keep a close eye on that, but it has now gone official that the FAI teaming up with, so it'd be England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland and Ireland would all get together to, to try and see could they be in with a chance of hosting Euro 2020. That would be quite an exciting time for this uh, country for sure. Okay, some of your calls and comments in. And thank you to Marie in Fumoy, who was on to say she went along to the Opera House last Friday night. Uh, She said she really enjoyed the Tommy Fleming concert. I saw him up on Facebook, put put up pieces. He was so thrilled to be back in the Opera House. And he had two gigs Saturday. Friday and Saturday. We spoke with them the week before last about it. But Marie from Moy uh, says Tommy put on a fantastic performance and he actually gave a shout out to myself and all of us here at C103 on the stage and she said that was lovely to hear. I didn't realise that. He's a nice, nice man is our Tommy and we certainly always look forward to having him on the programme. We always get a huge reaction to him. He certainly has a lot of fans here in Cork so hopefully everybody that went along either on the Friday or the Saturday night that you enjoyed the Tommy Fleming uh, gig. Now, getting a lot of texts in about the cost of living and what can we do and what the government are hoping to do and what they need to do. But before I go to those, can I just give you a comment that came in from uh, Nula in uh, Bandon, who says that any time she's out and about in Bandon town, she finds of late she's continuously having to walk with her head down looking at the footpath. Why? Because there's so much dog poo around, particularly on the footpath. And she reckons that there has been a marked increase over the last three months. Anybody else noticed that? Recently, she walked right into dog dirt. Her shoes were absolutely destroyed. She said she actually contemplated throwing the shoes away. They were so bad. And obviously she didn't. But, you know, you can imagine coming home and trying to clean off if you've walked or walked in and then you're trying to get back into the house and get the shoes off so that you're not bringing it all back in with you in on the carpet or into the hall and back into your house. Uh, Nula Fields that the fines should be higher. At the moment, she says, we're fining people, people between 100 and 150 euro. And the problem there as well, Newell, is the small number of people who actually get fined. She reckons the fines should go to 1,000 euro if you're f- fined and that you didn't clear up after you took your dog out for a walk. But of course, the problem and how often have we done interviews on this is trying to actually find the owner of the dog and prove that they didn't clean up after the dog. But very, very frustrating. But as anybody else noticed, Nula reckons in the last three months in Bandham, and we'll throw it out to other areas as well, has it got worse? And if so, why has it suddenly got 
got worse. Why are people just not being responsible pet owners when they take their dog out for a walk? Okay. On increases, Fidelma in McCroom says, I really felt it last Friday in my grocery shop, said Fidelma. Meat has gone up, bread has gone up, milk has gone up. It's all the basic items. But then she said one thing in particular that caught her eye was a bag of nightlights. She said usually there are five or a pack. When she went to buy them on Friday, they've gone up to €7.39. She said for a packet of night 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 lights, that's nearly a 50% rise. And Fidelma says she accepts her night lights are a bit of luxury, but surely we're entitled to a few tea lights to have around our house. And Fidelma listening to the Society of Vincent de Paul, people who can't whose electricity is off because they have a prepaid meter and they don't have the money to put into the meter. People are relying on those nightlights and uh, candles. Why have nightlights gone up by by €2.39? Oh, you, you're right. Your, your maths is correct. Nearly a 50% rise. And I suppose it's back to the delivery costs. I don't know. Has the wax that they put into tea lights, have they gone up? That's just uh, crazy. But it's funny, uh, Fidelma, when you say you really noticed it in your grocery shop on Friday. It's been kind of slowly, slowly, slowly going up. But it's only really, it was last week, because it came up on the programme last Friday. People started saying, is anybody else noticing everywhere you turn? It seems to be prices seem to have, have gone up. And it was only then when I went out to do my shop on Saturday, I made a point of looking at things. And certainly milk, I hadn't noticed. And I don't know when it went up. The litres of, you know, the own brand litres of milk in the supermarket, they were always 75 cent and they've gone up to 85 cent. And I don't know when that actually happened, but a number of people actually pointed out milk and bread. The basics passed, as somebody else was talking about on the programme last Friday as well. Hi, Patricia. It is, I feel it is time for this government to go. I bought a bag of coal on Saturday. My bag of coal has gone up by €2.50 and that's down to an increase in carbon tax. That's the carbon tax led by the Greens in government. And actually, a couple of people are blaming the Greens. Ross says a huge proportion of blame for the rise in everything must rest with the Greens. Party. They got what they wanted in order to back Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael so they could keep them in power. And a lot of these green agenda policies and carbon tax increases, Ross feels down to the Greens. Noreen and Blarney says it really is very frustrating when we know the government taxes on petrol. They take about 60% of the cost for every litre we spend. 60% of it goes back to the government. This needs to be addressed. And that's from uh, Noreen. And then a couple of WhatsApps in on uh, this. Uh, Hi, Patricia. Um, The... The French energy companies, I was unaware of this, the French energy companies have cut bills to help their their customers. Wasn't aware of that. Is that something we could see happening here? Uh, Patricia, all of these uh, rises, we as a people will have to stand up and start writing to our TDs. We're going to have to start protesting about the rising costs of uh, fuel. It's not just fuel in our cars. Every time we go to fill up our home heating oil, we need to get more like the French. We need to get out and protest. Maybe we need to start some kind of a petition and start lobbying the government. Patricia, I think a lot of young people will leave Ireland. I know some 
already have done it but I think many more will go. I think already we have lots of doctors who have left our shores once they're trained. Nurses are leaving and many more will leave because of the high cost of living uh, here. Uh, if the energy companies can cut fuel prices, why can't they do it here? By pointing out that the, uh, the, a lot of the energy companies in uh, France it's nuclear power, so that's already a green option. John in Balancolic, one simple way to reduce the cost of living is simply to reduce the cost on fuel. It's contributing to every single item that is delivered through higher delivery costs and it is also affecting production costs. Yeah, Once fuel prices are high and once fuel prices remain high, then inflation will remain high and inflation remains high, cost of living remains high. Okay, and then on something, well, it's to do with costs, but not so much to do with the cost of living. But this is from Anne-Marie, who says, Patricia, if they're talking about reducing anything, surely Cork County Council should look at reducing their fire brigade charges, which you will see on the Cork County Council website. If you have a fire other than a chimney fire, you can have at least two fire engines attend that house fire. And the cost from Cork County Council, I didn't know this, €660 for each one. That's 1320 just for two fire engines to attend a house fire. Given that the Grenfell Tire Tower fire, God knows, and the loss of life there in the UK, that seemed to have started because of a fridge freezer. Surely we would want to get the fire brigade to be called to any fire. Do we want people to wait and see as fires can take hold and have devastating uh, consequences? But with these charges, will people simply take a chance and hope? Or sure, maybe the fire, maybe we'll be able to get it out, out ourselves. Why do we pay local property tax? What has that been paid for? If we're paying for everything else and all of our other services, if the government are looking at cutting costs for people, then surely, surely they should re- review the fire brigade charges as, as it has got to be a health and safety issue. And that's from Anne-Marie. And I was unaware that that was what the charge is for the fire brigade to come out to your home. But you're right, you shouldn't at any stage err on the side of if you have a fire, you ring and you get them out there as quick as possible. I'm just wondering, Anne-Marie, if you have house insurance, would your house insurance cover the cost of the fire engines coming? I, I don't know because luckily and thank God I never will have to call a fire engine but if anybody else has had to call the fire brigade out for a house fire and if you had house insurance did your house insurance cover the cost uh, let us know 0818 103 103 and I can see some questions coming in for Annalise Trisella nutritional therapist keep those coming please because she will be joining us uh, later on on the programme and hi Patricia I was in McCroom this morning delighted to report two pedestrian crossings in the town they're about a half a kilometre apart traffic lights on them and all fair play, play. it's all to do with safety first so well done to I'm assuming Cork County Council who installed those two pedestrian crossings in McCroom C103 Jobs The Laura Lynn Foundation they are recruiting a regional hub team leader you need to have experience in children's palliative care it's for their services here in Cork details on the Laura Lynn Foundation website Construction worker wanted for Clondrahat. CVs please to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. While Hallisey and Partners solicitors there in Bandon, they're hiring a property solicitor. CVs to info at hplaw.ie. 
uh, you can post to their office at 41 South Main Street in Abandon. And chefs are wanted for the Lep Inn in West Cork. Emails to the Lep Inn 1832 at gmail.com. You'll find all the details and many, many more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Last Friday night as part of a special Late Late Show, the song and singer to represent Ireland in this year's Eurovision Song Contest was selected. To check it about the winning song, I'm joined by our Eurovision correspondent, and that's Johnny O'Mahony. Good morning to you, Johnny. Good morning, Trish. Uh, and thanks a million for joining us. Well, do you feel the right song was selected? Brooke, Scullion, and That's Rich. Well, of the six songs that were there, I picked song number six as the, as the winner. I think it's probably the first, the first time that we've had an opportunity to choose for a long time. But I, I definitely thought it was the best of the night, yeah, without a doubt. It's different to anything we've ever sent before. I think it is, yeah. Um, I, I like Brooke herself. I thought she was great. But the, the, the whole performance and the presentation, I thought, was very slick. It was very simple and catchy and um, it wasn't overdone or tacky or gimmicky. It was just, you know, a simple pop song sung well. And, um, you know, it was it kind of stood out from the rest. I think it being in performing last was an advantage as well. But um, in I, I just thought, you know, it just had something. I can't see that it's going to win in Turin, but... That's, you know, I've been wrong before and I'll okay. probably be wrong again. But uh, it, I, I I think it'll do well. I think it's a qualifier. And, um, you know, I thought she gave a great performance, very confident. And, um, you know, she it was like she was singing in her bedroom with, with the hairbrush in her hand, you know. She, yeah, she, she's a fantastic singer. What do we know about Brooke Scullion, other than she's from Brooke, Derry? She performed, she's from Derry. Um, she performed in The Voice UK. I think it was last year. And um, she was hotly tipped um, since then. I, I, To be quite honest, I don't know where she ended up in The Voice. But in the UK, especially, she's been tipped as kind of one of the next big names to make it. So, I mean, it's a big thing to have for um, in Eurovision for, for us, you know, because she's she will be known in the UK. I didn't watch The Voice, so I don't know what the audience was like or what, you know, what how she was received there. But, you know, the vibes are that she's she was kind of you know, she's tipped for for um, for greater things. And uh, that can only be an advantage. In yeah, Eurovision she, for, she, I, for I, I have to have to say I didn't watch The Voice UK either, either this last year, but I know she made it through to the final and that's not an easy thing to make it through no, to the final. No, it's not. And obviously, when we're when we're think, thinking of a young singer from Derry, we have very good history when it comes to young singers from Absolutely. Derry representing us. You look at Phil Coulter, you look at Dana, and um, you know there, there's great talent in Derry, and she's definitely talented. She wrote the song as well. Uh, she's she's one of one of the writers. So I mean, talent. She just she's got it all. I think you know she's she's an all rounder, and that's what you need. And um, you know she's going to go to. Uh, Turin in May and uh, really give it give it a blast. Ireland are singing in the second half, the second semi final, in and that's on the Thursday night in May, and it's the twelfth of May I think. And she's um, 
in that the UK and Australia will be voting. So that's an added advantage for us, I think, you know, because we always talk about the black voting and whatever. So I think we might benefit from that this year. OK, um, and of course, so, we, we and have... I think it, it can only be an advantage for Brooke. She has to get through the semi-final to get to the final on the on the Saturday yeah. night. We're, we're, we're still with that. Did you like... And it will all depend on the presentation, again, kind of between here and then, if they change it, if they change it drastically or if they, you know, if they improve it or, you know, but, um, you know, if I, I think what they did on Friday night was was good enough. And just to have that as polished as perfect for the night. Yeah. You know, yeah. her vocals were excellent. That's all we need. Did you like the fact that the public had a chance to vote? 100 percent. I thought there there could have been a bedlam. And, you know, we, all we'd be hearing today would be taken from whoever won. I mean, we had an international jury of three people and had they chosen, say, and say, had they put um, Brooke in second last place like the uh, national jury did of four people and then you had the public vote of how many thousand voted for Brooke there would have been uproar and rightly so I mean I I agree with having an international jury but three people against your your uh, licence fee paying uh, public you know to bring something down could have been drastic mm. and I think luckily they went for Brooke as well and uh, it just the result was good. But that I've was another, I do think that I do think that was interesting that the international jury saw Brooke as the top song. The public saw it as the top song. But the, the jury didn't. in the studio had her second last. It was, I, I, you know, and then they had to come back and say, oh, you're great. And you're going to do yeah. this and you're going to, you know, it, it was it was kind of a, a cringe moment of in the show for me. That you know to be sitting there, it's one thing. Had the, had it been the international jury voter down, we didn't see. We only saw them at the very beginning. We didn't see them afterwards. But to be sitting there in studio and then have to come back and say, "Well, you can't. We think you were. Sh- you should have been second last. But congratulations, you won." It was kind of. It, it, it kind of. Um, it was a uh, you know a, a tough moment for them, I think. But it, 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 I think where you have a jury like that and then the public vote it has caused problems in Eurovision it has caused problems in national finals in the past where the public vote it, it was the was the ultimate was it should have been the winner but wasn't so it could have gone very sour on Friday night had that happened yeah but it but, but it the, didn't the fact and i took comfort the, from the international jury backing it because the international jury you would are the Europeans and they're representing countries that will ultimately be voting on the night and the the feedback so far has been one person said to me they think it's dreadful but other than that all I've heard is positive and how 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 good it is and um, you know it's it you know, everyone's taste is different and that that's how it's going to be it's, I, I think she'll do well um, you know I just hope she qualifies uh, as I say I, at this point I don't think it's a winner but you never know there's only a few songs selected so far and um, you know there'll be a lot of a lot of rubbish come up yet and there'll be a lot of good songs and that so it's it, it remains to be seen how it'll go there's, there's a few months to go yet but um, and of course you know, we, I think, we, here uh-huh. in, we here in Cork we're all rooting for Patrick O'Sullivan and, we, and we had him on the programme last week and he did really well and the song song was good but it just didn't go his way on the night it didn't go his way but he, I mean, he was a fantastic singer his voice is excellent and he performed it very well and um, I think it, it, you know of the, the, the six songs there it was a tough competition yeah. for you know it, it really was I, like I thought Brendan Murray's I, I put that in second place um, but you know they came, I think he came last on the night but did any of the six songs um, 
had a chance of winning. It yeah. was it was tough as and the song that came second um was written by Aidan O'Connor. He's I, I've known Aidan for a few years. He he wrote a song for uh, the Czech Republic and he's written songs for different countries in the past and had songs at Eurovision and this was his first time in the Irish final and uh, I was I was rooting for him as well obviously but um you know it, it came second it was it was performed when Janet Grogan sang it but uh, you you, ne- you never know how how it can no. go on the night and okay that, that's where, where so we're, we're back to full staging of a Eurovision with a full audience in Turin are we in May absolutely it's as as far as at, at at the, in the current time, everything is going as if COVID didn't exist. It's just, uh, you know, there'll be precautions, obviously, but it's going ahead. I don't know if you heard about the presenters, the three presenters. San Remo is um, a song festival in Italy, and it's this is uh, this is going for 70 odd years. And Eurovision kind of was created um, from San Remo. It was, you know, in the same line. And that was on all last week, five nights last week. And the final was on Saturday night. And it's a huge thing initially, but they announced the presenters on Wednesday night, I think it was. There's three presenters. Laura Pausini, she's um, probably at this point the best recording artist Italy has. Um, she's won four Latin Grammys, a Grammy, a Golden Globe. She's performed at the Academy Awards. She's a huge star, international star at, at that. And then there's a, a TV presenter, Alessandro Catalan. He's going like he's presenting in Italian television for over 20 years. He does the X Factor and different shows like that and different. But the third person is one that we'll all know is um, Mika, the singer. He had the song Grace Kelly back in yeah. 2007. Mika, he's he's British, Lebanese, um, and he's he's the third co-presenter for um, interesting choice. Nervous. Interesting choice. Very three very capable, and like Mika has been rumored in the past to be, you know, s- singing in Eurovision, but he n- he never did. But now he's got the he's going to be the presenter instead, and he's going to be presenting it here. Okay, so all we can do is wish Brooke Scully in the very very best of luck, and we will talk to you again in the in May. It'll come Indeed. around in the the blink of an eye, uh, Johnny. Blink of an eye, uh, and in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks a million. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. 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 Our monthly hookup with the Citizens Information Service is Anna Donovan, Development Manager with South Munster Citizens Information covering West Cork and she is based in Bantry. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And today thank we you. are going to be talking about older people. But before we do, we've had an email just into the programme today and I'm wondering, is this something that Citizens Information could help this gentleman with, Donald was on to say, hi, Patricia, could I ask your advice, please? My wife was diagnosed with bowel cancer in December. She's only entitled to illness benefit of 93 euro a week because my wages are just under 500 euro a week. I'm wondering, is there any kind of a top up payment that we can claim? We have two young children. We've got a mortgage, the utility bills, and we really are struggling some weeks. That's just a dreadful situation that they find themselves in. Is that something that um, Donna could go to Citizens Information with and you can maybe talk through what they're entitled to? Uh, absolutely, Patricia. I mean, because there's a quite a lot of questions there. Yeah. I suppose if she's only on the in this benefit of 93-something per week, that means her average weekly earnings would have been less than 150 euros. Okay. What they're basically, because you see your illness benefit is based on um, your average weekly earnings. 
two years ago, if you follow. So oh, okay. that's possibly there. So I suppose there's a couple. It, it, there's a couple of things really. I mean that we we could look at with with them. So I suppose really I would suggest they get in touch with us. Okay, uh, yeah, and I'd, we would I'd, go through it yeah. because I mean there are certain things. Pay, we need to know more about their family size in terms of payments. Whether with his earnings would he be entitled to the working family payment? Yeah. You know, there's there's just different things we'd look at. So I'd really suggest he talks to us and we would look at it, okay. what um, uh, what options are there for them. And we yeah. will be calling out your number at the end, uh, uh, Donald, and, and uh, we get uh, John Paul to email back on the numbers as well. Okay, let's let's start. Are you still uh, operating over the phone? Is the um, what's happening with the drop-in service? Uh, yeah, we're still providing our service mainly by phone, but but we do see people by appointment as well. So what we really would suggest people is that they they can they ring us and we will have a discussion with them first of all and if someone needs a face to face appointment we'll facilitate it if at all possible. Uh currently our offices in Bantry, Fermoy and Yall are, are are set up for appointments. So so really ring us and if at all possible we will fit in an appointment. Yeah. And I mentioned that you're based in Bantry. You've recently moved to new offices. Yes, very we're very excited about it. Yeah, we've moved into new bigger offices there at the end of January. So we moved from our own location where we'd been for the last 17 years there in the square in Bantry and we're relocated up to what used to be the old Vickery's Hotel there in the centre of town. So we're in New Street, so we're opposite Forest and Flock there. So the telephone number is the same, Brilliant. but um, we're up there. So new, new offices. Yeah. Now, there's been so much talk in the media lately about retirement age and the age when you do retire, when you're entitled to receive your state pension. Can you just clarify what is the current situation? Well, currently the state pension, either contributory or non-contributory, is paid to people from the age of 66. So it's been like that now for a few years. Um, and generally, we you should apply three months before you reach the age of 66. Now, if a situation you paid social insurance contributions in more than one country, it's advisable that you apply six months before you reach 66 to, to make sure everything's in order. Um, so if someone needs help with their form or they have queries about the amount they're likely to receive, they should contact us. Like we can help interpret somebody's social insurance record and we can also advise on any means test involved in relation to the state pension non-contributory. Okay. Is there a means test attached to all state pensions? No, no. If you have enough PRSI for a state pension contributory, it's not means tested. Uh, however, the, the state pension non-contributory is means tested. And also, I suppose the one that some people are not aware of is that if you have a state pension contributory and you're claiming an increase for your spouse or partner, that increase for them is means tested. So sometimes people get caught out in that one. So if your listeners have any questions about this, they should contact us. Now, what happens if you retire at 65? Because a lot of people do finish work at 65. Yeah, and, and state pension at one time, you would get a state pension at 65, but that, that stopped a few years now. But if you retire at 65, you may qualify for a benefit payment until you reach 66. So um, at, at 66, then, as I said, you qualify for your state pension. But to qualify for that benefit between 65 and 66, you must have stopped work and you must meet certain PRSI conditions. The payment really, it's similar to job seekers benefit, but you don't, but there's a couple of important differences though. You don't have to be looking for work or you don't have to sign on at your local social welfare office. Um, the, the, amount, the amount you get the same would be the same as the maximum job seekers benefit. You get around 208 
personal rate and 138 for your dependent adult. Which is less than the state pension. So it's less than the state you pension. You have a year to wait for the pension to come in. It is. Now, it is, some yeah. older people live on their own. Talk to us about extra payment for people on social welfare who may be living alone. Yeah, now, there, there is a payment called the Living Alone Increase and it's paid to, to people on certain social welfare payments who live alone. Now, from January of this year, that increased by €3 Euros from, it used to be €19 Euros up to €22. Euros. So anybody really who's 66 years or over and if they live alone, um, you will qualify if you're getting certain social welfare payments. It's usually, I suppose, the most common ones really would be like if someone's on their state pension contributory or non-contributory or if someone's on a widow's pension. Now, some people under 66 will qualify also if they live alone and they're getting a, a, a long-term illness payment like disability allowance or invalidity pension or, you know, or blind pension, one of those. So, yeah. Do you have to be completely living alone in order to qualify for it? No, that's actually a good question. Um, there there are some exceptions. So, say for a situation, say if you're living in an extension of a family member's home, Say, for example, say if your your son or daughter, your you've got a granny flat attached to their house, you can qualify for the increase if you can show that you have facilities to cook and eat alone. Okay. And you must also have your own living and sleeping accommodation. So basically, if you can show you have your own independent space there. Now, also, like you can also qualify if, if for the living alone if you're aged, if you're and you're infirm. And you have a friend or a relative to stay for security reasons at night time only. Because, you know, a lot of people are nervous about staying on their mm. own. So so in that situation, you will qualify, provided the person, the, the friend or relative who's staying over with you, they are not contributing to the household financially in any way. Uh, and, and another scenario then, again, which it, it can be a common enough one as people get older, that if you live alone during the day, so if you have your own place, you're looking after yourself, you do cooking all your own meals and everything, but maybe you stay with a relative or friend at night because you're, you're, you're nervous about staying on your own. In that situation, you will qualify. Uh, and also a situation maybe where you have a relative to stay at the weekend. Um, now, again, the living alone condition is satisfied as long as the relative has a permanent home address elsewhere. So you can see there, there's a kind of, there's a number of exceptions there, really. OK, and then people living alone who run a and b and they do it, obviously, to supplement their income. Yeah, no, that's one. If you run a and b business, even if it was only for part of the year, so even if you're only doing B&B, say, for June, July and August, you won't qualify. But... Now, there, again, like everything, there's an exception to that. So if you live alone, but maybe you occasionally take in a paying guest, say, I don't know, say like there's a local festival on or there's something on in the town and you take in somebody for one or two nights, but it's not your business, in that situation, you will qualify. You'll be okay. So, You'll be okay. so I suppose it's always a good idea to check, check. because there's, yeah. there's lots of little anomalies there. But I mean, yes. If you, so. do, if you don't ask, you won't know. Absolutely. Okay, and then people over the age of 80, they get an extra allowance, don't they? Yeah, so if you, um, you're automatically paid an extra allowance of €10 Euro per week when you reach 80, if you're in receipt of a state pension in your own right, okay? So if you've got your contributory pension, non-contributory pension, or widow's pension, it automatically goes up by €10. Euros. You don't have to do anything. Now, one thing just be aware of, though, that that increase is not paid to adult dependents. So if you have a couple and one of them, it's one of them has their state pension and the other is getting, is a dependent on that, the dependent doesn't get the increase when they're over 80. So that's one uh, of the differences, yeah. That's, that's a bit mean. OK, <laughs> there is a scheme where people get assistance with their electricity bills and God knows they need it now more than, than ever. Can you talk us through that? 
Yeah, I suppose that that scheme is the household benefits package. Now, that helps with the cost of electricity or gas bills or uh, and the TV licence. Now, only one person in the household can get it. Now, if you're age 70 or over and the bill's in your name, that's, that qualifies you. The, the, by virtue of being over 70, you're qualified. You don't have to be getting a state pension. It's not means-tested. There's nothing else. The fact that you're over 70 and the bill's in your name qualifies you. Now, you don't have to wait until you're 70 to apply, though. Um if you're aged between 66 and 69, you can also get that uh, household benefits package if you're in receipt of a state pension or other qualifying payment. Now, if you're not on a qualifying payment, that you will have to pass the means test. But um, but a lot of people sometimes between 66 and 69 don't apply because they think they have to be over 70. But if you're between 60 and 69, you're, and you're getting a state pension in your own right and you 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 will you will qualify. Um the other one thing, obviously, if you're under 66, if you're on a disability allowance or invalidity pension, you, you may also uh, uh, qualify, depending on your circumstances. And what happens if you move house? Does it move with you? Well, that's one. If you know, if you move, if you move house, um, you what will happen is the even though you your even though your circumstances have changed, you still have to reapply. So you have to complete a new application form. Okay, now a number of older people are querying, and this is not just for older people, I suppose it's for everybody, the renewing of their driving uh, licence. Many of them got extended because of the COVID situation. What Can you can you tell us what's happening with driving licence? Yeah, you're right there. The Last year, like the, 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 the government, they announced extensions to the expiry date of certain licences which were due to expire before the 31st of October last year. Now, some of those extensions have come to an end, so it's important that someone, you can check the expiry date of your license on their the National Driving Licence Service website, but you can you can re- renew your license online if you have a public service card and a MyGov ID verified account. So it's kind of a straightforward um, process. But if you cannot renew your license online, you have to go to one of the centres in person, one of the National Driving Licence uh, Service centres in person. Now, the only thing about that is, though, you even you can't just walk in. You have to book an appointment in advance, and that must be done online. Now, that can be problematic for some people who are not comfortable with using online booking. And if they don't have someone to help, it can be a, a barrier for people. So just letting you know that Citizens Information can assist with this, and we, we frequently assist people to book their appointments online, or even just to put in with they give us the expiry date, you know, to check do they need to renew their licence, because you can, only, you can only renew it within three months of the expiry date. So, you so know, you'll be able say, to check it for people who, who don't we, have access online. Well done, yeah, I didn't so realise they, you did that. Yeah, so like if they ring in and, and we, you know, because obviously we we can just get some details. If they give us permission to give us some details, we'll put it we'll in on uh, the thing and check but it you, for you them. you can help them and book the appointment for them if needs be. We can we can do that, yes. And, and the other thing, just to be people aware, is you no longer are required to submit a, a paper application form when you're going to the appointment. So before, you know, you pull out your form, you fill out your That's paper form. That's all gone. Form. So you don't need, the, you don't need the, uh, submit the application form, but you still need, obviously, to bring the relevant medical and our, you know, the eyesight report is required, and you don't need a photograph either um, because they, you, the your photo and signature are digitally, are digitally recorded there. So yeah. Okay. And there yeah. were uh, changes at the end of last year to do with fair deal. 
yeah, um, there was ma- a big change there. Um, as part of the financial assessment under the Fair Deal, you have to contribute 7.5% of the value of certain assets each year towards the cost of your care for a maximum of three years, okay? So that's what's known as the three-year cap. Now, the, the, these assets can include your the family home, the, the proceeds of the sale of your home, and your farm or business. Now, before the end of last year, there was no cap on the length of time the charge was levied on farms or businesses, except in very limited circumstances. And that was a huge distress to a lot of people and caused a lot of concern. So I suppose that was one positive change that that came in there from the end of last year. And are there conditions which need to be met? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like with everything, there are a number of, of conditions. I suppose the most important thing is that you must apply to the HSE to appoint your your what's called your family successor, the person who's going to be taking over from you. That that, that person will have to commit to re- running the farm or business for at least six years, and that's really important. It has, you know, it isn't. It, it, there is a commitment here on the successor. Um, the successor must also be aged eighteen or older, and they must be either your uh, your own or your spouse or partner's relatives. So they can be either. Your child, niece, nephew, uncle, aunt, stepchild, but they have there has to be a relative. Okay. Mm. You can't just you know appoint a neighbour or something like that. And I suppose the other thing about it as well is that the, your farm or the business they, it must have been actively run by you, your partner or the proposed family successor for at least three of the last five years. So again, it you know you can't just pick someone out of the out of nowhere to, to, to they, they've had to be either working and the farm has to be actively worked for the last three years of, of the, the okay. last five years and um, and then a charge in favour of the HGC is placed on the chargeable property of a business or farm I suppose it is quite it's complex ca- and we there's, and there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. information there we're going yeah. to direct people to go to either of the offices before I let you go and before I give out the, the number somebody wants to know how much can you have in savings before you apply for a non-contributory old age pension is there an actual amount for one person living alone there is I suppose if, if, you're, a, if you're a single person the first 20,000 euros is disregarded okay so and then I suppose in if so the first 20,000 is disregarded and then there are an additional 30 euros of means that they disregard as well okay okay so the way so in essence it means you could ha- if you have nothing else you could have up to 40,000 in savings and still qualify for, for, for the maximum pension. non-contributory okay. pension and that they're yeah. exactly the kind of things that you can talk somebody through over the phone they, yeah. your West Cork number is 0818078390 the Mallow office is 0818078000 and the Fomoy office is 0818077970 and of course your fantastic website Citizen Information Ie. Got to leave it there, Anne. I'm over on time. Thank you for that. Thanks, Patricia. And thanks Thank uh, you. for joining us. That is uh, Anne O'Donovan. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls and texts coming in on various topics that we've been addressing uh, today. We've been talking about the Eurovision Song Contest. I also started the programme by mentioning uh, Leona Maguire and her great win on the golf course at the weekend. Michael's picking up on that and says, what a great weekend for Irish women. Heartiest congratulations to Leona Maguire. What an achievement. And to Brooke Scullion on winning the Eurosong. An outstanding performance. Our own Patrick O'Sullivan from Cork was excellent. 
but he didn't make it but he will go far in his career but says Michael I did hear some rumblings over the weekend that because Brooke Scullion had previously performed that song that and that's against the rules we could have a problem I sincerely hope she is within the rules now I did hear this at the weekend I think I heard about it uh, yesterday it seems that Brooke performed the song because it's a song she wrote herself that's rich she did it during a hot press online session and that was in April of last year now artists are forbidden from performing their songs ahead of the competition because obviously the idea is it would be deemed an unfair advantage and if you look at the RT rules for entry to the Eurovision Song Contest they say that compositions submitted for consideration lyric and music must not have been commercially released and are publicly performed and that includes online video platforms or social networks in a full or in part and they can't do it before the 1st of September 2021 and seemingly Brooke performed it on the 7th of uh, April. Now, they do say in all cases RT has the final say on who, what song and what artists will represent Ireland for in the Eurovision. Now, I then saw a guy by the name of Keith Mills who runs a, a Facebook page called All Kinds of Everything Irish Eurovision. A man you would think who was in the know and journalists directed the question to him to say is it okay is there a chance that the song would be pulled and he reckons it isn't a major issue because he reckons it's actually happened before and he said a couple of recent Eurovision winners were what he says leaked like this they were performed before and he cited one example of the song that won for Holland in 2019 Uh, it had been leaked earlier but if the song is deemed to have sufficient advantage it gets disqualified but the fact that it was just played out obviously on one hot press event it's not deemed to be giving her an advantage over any of the other songs and he also made the point that if I got the green light from RTE and they would know the background to it then there isn't an issue so that doesn't look like there's going to be a problem if there is no doubt Michael will hear about it ASAP huge amount of people commenting I see questions coming in for Annalise actually keep those coming please text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 huge amount of people commenting on our listener from Bandon who said who contacted us this morning because sick to the teeth of going it was Newland Bandon going out for a walk in Bandon on the footpaths and dog fouling. Everywhere our Nula is going, she said the town is destroyed. And she reckons that it's only happened in the last three months. There was always an issue with, I mean, whenever we talk about dog poo, people will always ring up and say there's a particular uh, area. But she says it seems to have got worse in the last three months. And therefore, because of that, she's just saying, you know, what can be done about it? She actually reckons that the fines should be increased. And if she had her way, the fines would be increased to €1,000 if anyone was caught not cleaning up after their dog. That led to, and I was wondering then, is it just in Bandon? Are there other parts of the city or county that have noticed an increase in people not cleaning up after their dogs? Well, we got a load. Let me just give you some of the ones that uh, came in. Morning, Patricia. There is a lot of dog litter on the walk from the public toilet out as far as the graveyard. I don't think there's enough dog litter bins. That's from Mike in Bantry. Let's go to Skibbereen. Hi, Patricia. Love your programme. Thank you very much. I would agree with Nula from Bandon about dog poo. It's a disgrace. I bring my daughters to school in the morning. I'm constantly looking down at the footpath 
because that's how Nuala described. She goes for a walk and her head is down, literally down, just staring at the footpath. Hi, I'm living in Mallow Town. The locals have ruined my garden with their dog, Poo. Someone else says, yes, dog poo and Bandon is a disgrace. I was walking with the kids last weekend. One child fed, fell into it. Oh, she said, when we're walking, it's like we're playing hopscotch, hopping over it. People are letting their dogs roam free and something needs to be done about it. And this listener also on about the increase in the cost of living. Milk, price of milk went up about three weeks ago. Was it three weeks ago? And my coal went up on Friday. A lot of people pointed to the bag of coal. I think it went up by about 250. And hi, Patricia. Yes, the footpaths are really bad with dog fouling. I have to pick my steps when I'm out walking. I'm living in the Charleville area, says Joan. It has become really, really bad. That's some of your texts in. And then some of your uh, there was a WhatsApp in if I can find it. Uh, here it is. This is from Dennis who listens to us online in uh, Oxford and he's talking about the penalties for dog not cleaning up after your dog in the UK. If you fail to clean up after your dog you can be issued with a £100 fixed penalty notice to the dog walker or the owner who fails to pick up after their dog has fouled. You could also end up being prosecuted if you end up going to court. The fine increases to one thousand pounds sterling so that is a good deterrent and obviously Dennis in Oxford it's working is it I know certainly when I I have family living in Devon and I couldn't get over whenever we were out and there was a dog in the house when we used to be visiting out walking everywhere you went you saw people with their bags and people picking up after after their dogs but there also was enough receptacles for people to put their dog you know, when they clean up after their dog, the dog fouling bins, you know, as somebody said, maybe we need to look at having more of those. We don't seem to have enough of them. I don't know. Is that a solution? If there was more bins, would people pick up more if they thought rather than have to carry it around uh, with them? 0818103103. And back to increases in everything. Nora says, hi, Patricia. I know milk and meat. Certainly everything's gone up in the shops. But what about the farmers? Fertiliser ration, tractor diesel, they're all doubled and tripled in some areas all since last year and yet they have to try to keep going. Please spare a thought for farmers with all of these price hikes. It must be really, really difficult on farmers because Nora is right. Every time any article I seem to read about farmers, it all seems to to do with prices having uh, gone up. And then Anne says, uh, Hi uh, Patricia, I've noticed the owned brand prices have gone up. For example, a pound of butter has gone up from €2.19. It's now €2.45. I'm wondering why is that? And are the pain meds for our dogs has gone up from €60 Euro in November, €70 Euro in December and went in in January to collect the month's supply. It's gone up to €95. Euro. How do they justify that? That's a huge increase. So from €60 Euro in November to €95, Euro, did you speak with, I think as a vet practice, did you ask him how they... Why it's gone up that much? That seems really, really high. And Anne says, why can't the government just defer the local property tax for this year? That would be one way of putting money back into the pockets of everyone who has a who owns a house. 0818103103. And this is, we were talking about old age pensioners. We did our feature with the Citizens Information. They join us once a month and they pick a different topic and then they just give advice on it. And this one month happened to be on old age pensioners for old age pensioners 
for people getting older and we touched on the fact that there's so much talk about pensions at the moment and raising the pension age and what will the new pension age be and Anne went through means testing versus people who are entitled to a pension and then the other benefits that come with getting older and getting either a state pension be it contributory or non-contributory and I don't know if it was because of that feature that John in Cove rang in or not, or if it's all tying in with, we're talking about the cost of living and how families are struggling. And I mentioned at the top of the programme, St Vincent de Paul all over the country, seeing people in houses with no electricity. The meters run out. They don't have money to top up the meter, no heating in the house and, you know, food poverty. And that's unfortunately the reality with the rising cost of inflation. John reckons with so many families in this country struggling at the moment. Many of them have very large mortgages and they really are desperately trying to make ends meet. And these families with the big mortgages also have children they're trying to put to school and children that they need to feed. John says that he sees many older people who are on really good pensions. And once you reach a certain age in this country, when you become a pensioner, says John, you get all the freebies. You get the things like the free units of electricity. You get the free television licence, living alone allowance, whatever else goes, it all seems to go to older uh, people. How can we leave these young children who are living in families where there's high mortgages, families trying to make ends meet, why can we not give the benefits to the younger families rather than the old age pensioners? Why do the old age pensioners get all the benefits? Now John, this is John's view by the way, I'm not agreeing in any way with it, I'm just giving you his view. John reckons that any old age pensioner that has a private pension, that they should have their state pension cut. John feels it should be cut. He said there's many, maybe he said instead of a pension, give them food vouchers. We need to look after the young who are paying very high mortgages. John, I I really, I don't know if you're for real or not. Firstly, anyone that's got a private pension, those people would have worked hard all of their lives to pay into that private pension so they are very deserving of it and how insulting to say to an old person just because you're older now and and I accept families are struggling we're we're not going to give you a pension we're going to give you food vouchers instead so you can toodaloo down to the local supermarket and get whatever food you need that is a rather insulting thing to uh, say and I don't think we should be pitting one group against the other group if we have families struggling then the government need to step up to the mark and help out those families that are struggling but you shouldn't target older people and the reason that so much support goes to older people they are in the main on a fixed income they don't have any opportunity to go out to work and earn any extra money you would hope that younger families and younger people would be in a position that they might be able to change jobs and get a better job that would come with more earnings but older people once their working life is over their working life is over so I think John I think your suggestion is rather insulting to be honest to older people people but it's your view and we'll see what others whether they agree maybe others agree with John in Cove that particularly at the moment when we see the condition that this country is in and the high cost of living that all of our focus should be on younger families and absolutely we need to help out younger families but do we do it at the detriment of older people? 0818103103 you can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie 
Now there's a call out to people who are interested in participating in a course to make their community a smarter and better place in which to live and work. IOD Hollow will be delivering a course to give you the knowledge and the skills to make your community better. If you are from Bantir, Dunamore or Knocknagree, please contact Trina Dennehy on 029 60633 or you can email to hollow at com to apply for a place. They will welcome people of all ages, especially younger people to come and join. The course is free of charge thanks to leader funding. Bingo continues tonight in the Botford GAA Hall, 8 o'clock start. They have a jackpot of €5,300. Doors will open at half past seven and everyone welcome. And Bingo is also back at Sarsfield's Hurling Club in Glamour. That's Tuesday night so that's tomorrow night at 8 o'clock and so many people are thrilled that adult social dancing is back it continues at Fremont Community Hall every Sunday afternoon between 3 and 6 uh, Declan Anger will provide the music next Sunday with Finbar Dennehy and his band playing the following week no children please light refreshments will be provided cost of entry is 10 euro and proceeds go to the upkeep of Fremont Community Hall Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie By the way a couple of people commenting on when I mentioned uh, one of our listeners was going on about the cost of a call out for the fire brigade if God forbid you had a house fire and uh, she was saying according to the Co-County Council website it's 660 euro per fire engine and typically two turn up so 1,320 and she thought that that was very expensive and I was just saying does that cover it on your house insurance Margaret was on to say I had a house fire about 10 years ago and yes the fire brigade charges are covered by your house insurance thank you for that Margaret and a number of calls saying the same thing including Melody and Carrie said yes you are covered on your house insurance but she's checked the small print on her house insurance she's with Alliance and she's covered for fire brigade charges up to €3,000 but she said she was chatting with her neighbour and when her neighbour read the small print of her policy she's only covered up to €100 so you really do need to read the small print and then that got me thinking with house insurance with families struggling at the moment when we're talking about families barely able to have enough money to keep the lights on and put food on the table and people trying to find ways to save money. You would worry, wouldn't you, that some people, when the house insurance comes up for renewal, if it's a difference between renewing the house insurance and putting food on the table, I certainly know where I would be jumping for. And that could put families under immense uh, pressure, pressure going uh, forward. 0818103103. Keep your questions coming in, please, for Annalise Drissel on Nutrition therapist. She'll be joining us in a couple of minutes. You can call John Paul with questions or you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Now you may have heard on the news at 12 at midday a very successful campaign by the Transition Year Student Council at a Cork secondary school has resulted in sanitary products being freely available in all the student and the staff bathrooms. The group of TY students at St Angela's College now want all schools and all workplaces to experience the same positive impact. Our news reporter, Mairead uh, Tuig, went to visit the school and to talk to the girls. I suppose just for all of us being on the council, we realised that like it's kind of our duty to like step up and try to initiate change in the school. So we have six dispensers around the school in different locations, um, on different floors and stuff like that. And then we have pads and 
two different sizes of tampons supplied in each of them and they're always being checked and stocked up. Phoebe Toomey is a member of the TY Student Council here at St Angela's College on Patrick's Hill. They've partnered with Cork brand Riley, as Emma Hyland and Rebecca Foley have been telling us. We first noticed Riley when we saw them work with MTU and UCC on the same initiative, and we really took influence from that. And we also recognise Riley for being a really sustainable brand, which really fits into our school ethos as we're trying to get our second green flag this year. So we really thought it was a good quality for them to be working with. One of the main reasons we chose Riley is because sustainability is one of their core values. They All their products are 100% organic cotton and they're made with renewable sugarcane. And their pads are leak-proof and compostable, which is toxin-free and chemical-free, which is ultimately better for women's bodies. Rebecca says they were so grateful to get advice from MTU. We were on a Zoom with um, their heads of their Code Red project and we asked them questions about Riley before we actually got products from Riley and what worked for them, what didn't work. And it was really positive feedback from Riley and they gave us really good ideas and advice that we took and we really were grateful for the Zoom. The group took on the initiative of developing a previous project based on breaking down the stigmas around periods and period poverty. Here's Abby Akinkule. There was definitely people that had so many different stories about when they had to maybe leave class and go to the office task for products and they felt really like embarrassed and awkward. And it was situations that you know girls don't want to be in and that this project we want to save people from being in those situations even introducing the project we've talked about periods with our principal and you know we've talked about it with so many teachers in a school it's become so normal so even just doing it and having the products in the school has made us all feel so much more comfortable talking about periods Libby Ryan says there's been great input from students so like us in the student council are really just kind of a voice for the students so I think seeing the suggestion cards and seeing how much support there was for this idea was um, really inspiring for us. So we kind of thought like now it's our responsibility to carry this out. You know, this is what the students want. This was the reason we're elected. Like this can be our purpose for the next year. Emma Cannon-Lynch says the initiative is here to stay. We really wanted to get the student body involved in the advertising. So we um, did a logo competition and we chose Martha Garcia in fifth year. Her logo really embodied what we wanted to show as a brand. And it really just captured everything that we wanted to show to the earth school. We created posters to go next to the Spencers to really just show the student body that like this is here to stay and they need to follow these certain rules because we've worked really hard to make this happen. And we also have a poster talking about Riley so the student body are informed on what they're using, what the products are made out of and like what they're actually putting into their bodies. Amy Barry says they want other schools to experience the positive impact. 100% and I think that we've all seen the positive feedback and the effect that it's had on the students and we really just want other schools to experience that and we recognise that we're in a really like privileged position to be able to put this in and we definitely want to influence other schools who are in a position to introduce this with their own um, funds but also we think that from a government level there should be grants um, allocated to DESH schools and schools in underprivileged areas and um, we think that we don't want just a pat on the back and a well done. We want to actually take this further and try to influence other schools to do the same. Marie Tuig at St. Angela's College. Thanks to Marie for that. And what a fantastic bunch of young people. I, I love to hear young people getting involved in a project like that, thinking of others who, you know, seeing the need. You, know, you just think the future is safe when you've got young people like that coming up through the ranks. So thanks to Marie Tuig, our news reporter, and to everybody involved at the TY Student Council at St. Angela's College in the city. Now, reaction, and I was kind of expecting this, to John from Cove, who feels that listening to our slot with Citizen 
information talking about what older people are entitled to when they reach a certain age and when they, you know, if they're living alone, there's a living alone allowance. So when they kid over 80, there's a little bit extra and the free, a few free units on the electricity and the TV licence, etc. and the pension and how much the pension is and the state contributory versus a non-contributory, which is means tested. And he just felt that there's so many young families struggling at the moment. Why do we push all the government? Why does the government push all the supports towards older people? Should we not be looking after the younger people who are really struggling with high mortgages and they're trying to put children through school and all of that? And he feels that anyone who has a private pension should should have their state pension reduced. Now, he didn't go quite so far as to say take it off them completely, but he did say it should be reduced. And he went one step further and said you shouldn't be giving a, giving a state pension to old age pensioners who have a private pension. Give them food vouchers instead. La La Land, the man is living in. Okay, some of your comments. Um, Hi Patricia, I'd love to know what age is John. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Older people have struggled and worked hard for their pension. And also, older people's health mostly is on the decline. That happens to everybody when you get older. How selfish was his comment? Uh, That's from Joan. Hi Patricia, I hope that fella John, when he gets old, will he give up his pension? Old people are entitled to the pension. They worked all of their lives and many of them worked to give everything to younger people who were too lazy to get out and work themselves. Tell John, would he ever go get a life? Mary living in Cork City says, Patricia, I'm a widow. Living on the widow's pension, I live on my own and when I have all the bills paid, I'll be honest with you, I have very little left to buy food. I often went to bed hungry. I don't drive. I have to get taxis to go to the shops or to go to the doctor or even just to go to Mass. Uh, so thank you. Really enjoy your programme, God. Mary, my heart goes out to you, but reach out. if you know, No one should be going to bed hungry. There's Vincent de Paul who would be only too delighted to help you out. And if you're in the city, you've got Katrina Toomey and Penny Dinners that we keep sending people to. Unfortunately, we seem to be sending more to Katrina in the last number of weeks that I think we've done over the last number of years. William in North Cork says, I worked abroad for a long time and when I started to draw down my Irish uh, pension, my Irish pension got cut because you're not allowed two full pensions, one from whatever country he worked, you're only allowed one and I think a portion of another, is it? Anyway, because obviously the pension overseas was a decent pension. William said, I also lost my medical card. I don't know if John was ever out of this uh, country, but for a lot of people, when they bring benefits from other countries it affects the amount of pension they can get in this country maybe he should look into that Mara said I have a private pension and I also get the state pension but since the 5 euro increase which kicked in at the beginning of January it has pushed my private pension into a new tax bracket and would you believe 5 euro, euro increase a week now means we're earning less money we did try to find out what our tax threshold was. We must be over it. We rang revenue, but nobody can tell us. That's exactly, Morris, the kind of question that the fantastic people at Citizens Information will be able to help you out with. I'll give them a call. I don't know where you're calling from. Uh, there's an office in West Cork, Mallow, and in Formoy, the West Cork one that we dealt with this morning. And if they're not the right area, they'll put you through to the right area. 0818 Ring and check it out. But that just seems ludicrous that you would get a five euro increase and then your your other pension kicks in and you're actually down money because you got an increase that certainly is a shocking situation to find yourself in uh, Patricia this is from Am. J- tell John he will be old one day too I hope I'll be around to see how he gets on with paying all of the same bills and you have to pay it on a fixed measly income yeah that's one of the reasons 
when I was was saying it's because they're on a fixed uh, income. I think that must be the same John that complains about pensioners. Any time you seem to bring up the subject, John never seems to think that he will get old one day. He must be very well off or maybe he had a lottery win and doesn't want pensions or handouts. That's from uh, Jim. Uh, Denise in West Cork in response to John from Cove. Thank you Patricia for defending the pensioners. I totally agree with you. We're on the point of retiring and to be honest, having worked hard all of our lives, I'm now starting to get quite concerned about how we will manage financially for the next 20 years or more. We raised four kids, gave them, got them all to third level education um, etc. So our little private pension is quite small compared to uh, some others. Thank you, New Patricia and Denise in West Cork. Stay safe, Denise, and enjoy, enjoy that retirement. And just a final one. Is that man in cloud cuckoo land? I worked all my life. I don't, by the way, have a private uh, pension. So what I will get in November will equate to 240 five euro a week and that's what I'll have to live on and that's the reality for many people okay thank you that's just a sample of some of the calls and texts that were kicked off by John uh, saying take a look at the pensioners particularly those on a private pension okay we need to take a break and we are back and Annalise Drisella nutritional therapist will join us answering all of your questions 0862 103 103 text or whatsapp the programme Court today on C103 It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Three. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. GoSomega.com. And let's go to the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic where Annalise Drussell joins me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And lots of questions coming in. Let's see if we can do our best to get through as many of them as possible. Rita was on. Can I take a multi-complex vitamin while also taking Source of Life Gold? Well, yes, you can, but there's no need to because the Source of Life Gold will have everything that's in a multivitamin. So I would suggest take the Source of Life Gold on its own as a tonic and you can always pick up the multivitamin afterwards. You'll only be doubling up. Okay, and Katrina, I don't know if it's Source of Life you're going to recommend here. Just recovering from COVID, symptoms were very much flu-like symptoms, so they weren't too bad, but it has left me very, very tired. A tonic, please, to take post-COVID to boost the immune system. So I think if you're very tired, something like Revive Active or the Source of Life Gold is great just to give you that little bit of a perk up and a bit of energy. And then in terms of your immune system, we always recommend the olive leaf extract for anything post-viral that's still lingering because it really is so potent and powerful as an anti-inflammatory and as an antiviral. So it'll definitely boost your immune system and just help your body to get rid of that last remaining bit of virus and then I'd suggest Patricia for everybody to continue on taking vitamin D even though we're starting to see a bit of a stretch in the evenings we still don't have enough sunshine to get it from um, our vitamin D from that so there are some lovely supplements that have combinations of vitamin C vitamin D and zinc and the three of those really are the three staples for a healthy immune system there's lots of other nice things as well but they're the basics that we all should be taking really Okay, my heart goes out to this listener. Hi, Patricia. Could Annalise recommend a remedy for heartburn during pregnancy? There is nothing worse. What would you recommend? Yeah, it's very difficult one, Patricia, because you have to be very careful in pregnancy. Now, the slippery elm would be suitable because really that is just like a fibre. So she could try that. That will help coat everything with a lovely thick mucus layer if she can get it in the powder even better. The other thing to do as well, the old wives trick is just to have a glass of water with a teaspoon of bread soda in there and that does neutralize the acid and can give you some relief but the problem there of course is that the baby is pushing up so unfortunately um it is going to be quite difficult to manage that one the doctor might maybe recommend something like nexium yeah it will it will pass it will pass i i know i when i was pregnant it was just sort of at the end stage i was oh my god i was murdered with the heartburn and a glass of cold milk used to weirdly enough work for me that would exactly, Patricia, that's another lovely one too because it has got great um, acid neutralising capability. Milk would be very alkaline. So the same with bread soda. It's really basically just neutralising the acid so it doesn't burn as much. And I don't know if it was an old wives' tale, but it was always said you'll have a very hairy baby if you get heartburn. And I can say I didn't, by the way. Oh, but, good. <laughs> but they say, they say, someone comes out with a mop here, oh, you must have had heartburn. Okay, so back to questions. Uh, uh, what would Annalise recommend, please, for sore lips? I've tried Carmex and Vaseline, but neither have worked. Yeah, again, I... With the wind now as well at the moment, chap lips is the big thing in the winter. Also, I think being indoors, Patricia, with the artificial heating. So there is one that we absolutely love here, and it is the Ecolips. They do a few of them. There's one with an SPF in there. There's um, there's one that's bees, bees, bee-friendly, so there's no beeswax in it. It's suitable for vegans. And there's one with a little bit of peppermint in it. Any of those will do. Um, and we've found of all of the lip balms that that seems to time and time again work the best. So they're called Ecolips Lip Balm. Uh, we have them in the shop here. And then um, even just a bit of olive oil rubbed into the lips can help as well. I find that Vaseline... And the likes of those, while they will protect your lips, they don't really moisturise them very much because the oil they actually just sits on the lips. So really you want something that will soak in into the lips. So olive oil would be a lovely natural one for that. 
Margaret, hi Annelise. I suffer a lot from acid reflux and wonder what I can take. I was actually in hospital a while back diagnosed with helicobacter, so bad acid as a result. Actually, and helicobacter um, is a bacteria that lives in a lot of us, but for some people when it overgrows it causes problems. In actual fact, helicobacter thrives in a low acid environment. So if you've got a, you know, if you've got too much acid in your stomach, actually it kills the helicobacter to the point where they cannot start multiplying. But one of the problems with them is that they affect the mucus producing cells of the stomach and it exposes the stomach lining. So you do start feeling the burn of what acid is there. And often after helicobacter antibiotic therapy doctors will put people on a acid blocker as well which is fine to manage the symptoms but actually in the long term it's not it's more conducive to allow the bacteria to come back again so the natural remedy really is not about blocking acid it's about allowing the acid to do its job but to protect the rest of the stomach from it so something like zinc carnosin is very good it helps to tighten up the little pyloric sphincter muscle at the top to prevent the acid coming up but it also helps support the zinc and it supports the mucus producing cells of the stomach lining so they can start producing that nice big thick layer mucus for protection. And then in the interim period, slippery elm is lovely for coating the stomach. Gaviscon would be the medicinal, you know, the, the pharmaceutical alternative, but the, the slippery elm is also very healing and has a lot of healing properties. And then for helicobacter, after helicobacter, mastic gum, is a lovely one for anything to do with ulceration and any kind of inflammation in the stomach lining. And you'll get that in any health shop. It's spelled M-A-S-T-I-C and it's like a gum, mastic gum. Okay, Susan is looking for advice post-menopause. I'm 60, feeling tired and sluggish. Other than that, she says she's feeling well. Okay, so I think probably when I hear energy, I I often think that... um, it just, you know, it could apply to anybody and may not be a menopausal at all. So the first thing I would start on is just the typical energy remedies. Make sure that your iron isn't too low or that your B12 is low. A standard blood test will show that up. The next thing then to try is the B-complex vitamins. They're always really good for energy. Magnesium can be another lovely one as well to take, especially if you're around that age. Um, it, it make sure if, you're, if you are taking it that you take it late at night And this is my thing now, Patricia, more than any scientific reason, but magnesium and calcium compete for absorption. So I think if you're taking high doses of it, it, um, it, you know, it possibly could push calcium out. So I think either if you're taking magnesium in the day, take it with calcium so that they both have a good chance or else take it later on in the evenings. That's another great one for energy. And then as a last resort um, for kind of immediate energy, is something like ginseng. And there's a lovely product, a couple of products that we sell here by a company called Terranova. And they've got one called Smooth Synergy, Dynamic Synergy, and Vibrant Synergy. And they're all a combination of different types of ginsengs. Some of them have stress management herbs in there. Some of them have mushrooms in there for immune system. And they're all great for a kind of a boost, a quick boost of energy. Okay, stay on post-menopause. Uh, listener says, the doctor wants me to try Vagifem. Is there anything else to try, thanking you? Yeah, we get great feedback on the Dr. Dealish Clare um, Vaginal Dryness Cream and it's perfectly natural and it's perfectly safe. So a lot of people who try the Vagifem do end up having other side effects from the Vagifem. I do think it's probably not conducive to healthy bacteria. 
population in the vagina, so then you may end up having a bit of thrush or something as a result. But with the Dr. Dealer's Care Healing Cream, it's um, it's very safe and uh, we sell a lot of it. So try that one instead. OK, listen wants to know, what is thiamine? It's in bread. I know somebody who can't have bread because it's in it. I'm wondering what it is. Thank you. So it's one of the B vitamins. So there's different B, com- B vitamins that come in a B complex. There's um, thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, um, there's, there's different ones. So that is just one of the B vitamins. And for most of us, we need all of them in conjunction, which is why when you take a B vitamin, it's best to take it as part of a B complex. But it is fortified into a lot of products. Um, a lot of the B vitamins are. And mostly that is because the B vitamins are removed during processing. So at least 80, 90% of the B vitamins are naturally removed for um, when they take the, the, the fiber out of bread and grains. So white rice, white pasta, white bread, all of those, all the breakfast cereals that have been stripped of those lovely vitamins, about 80% of them have been removed. So they'll have to put it back in. Okay, and a final one. Any help with reoccurring gout? I'm on a, I'm on a tablet, but it's really not working too good. Would appreciate anything else natural to try to kill the pain and bring down the inflammation. And by the way, I can't take anti-inflammatories. Okay, so the immediate treatment for gout is the Dr. Clare um, uh, muscular joint support and it's full of nice herbs that help cleanse the blood and bring down inflammation naturally. It's not like the Brufen type and it's a natural anti-inflammatory. And then in the terms of maintenance long term, take a glass of sour cherry juice every single day. You can buy it as sour cherry juice or concentrate, which you can make up into a drink yourself. And the majority of people, this works very well. So the cherry juice can help clear gout is the problem with uric acid. Now, we all produce uric acid in the blood, but some people genetically produce way too much from purines, which you would find in meat and fish, organ meats, beer, certain grains, nuts. There's a lot of foods that have them in there. So some people genetically can process them and uric acid rises in the blood to a level where it eventually starts crystallizing out into the joints. So keeping the blood clear, cherry juice is fantastic for that and nettle tea is another lovely one always for blood. Okay, well done. Listen, thank you for that. And as always, you'll put them up online this afternoon. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you for that. That is Annelise Drussell of the healthhubstore.com. You'll see it on our website as heard on the radio. Or you can call into her in Times Square in Ballincolly. Nutritional advice on C103 with Somega, Ireland's purest range of health supplements to get you through winter. Better nutrition, better health with Somega, a West Cork company. GoSomega.com. And still getting in commentary about John from Cove who suggests taking from the old age pensioners and giving it to younger people. Uh, Liam says, listening to John on your programme this morning, I would love to know what age is, is John? I have four years to go before I can claim my pension. I worked throughout the 80s. I was just an ordinary worker but in the 80s I had to work two sometimes three jobs and that was just to keep food on our table my wife also ended up having to take a part time job fast forward to today 2022 I'm now back working two jobs trying to get my family a start on the property ladder Uh, so yes the young people have to be looked after but as your hotelier said there are 40,000 jobs in the hospitality industry it mightn't suit all but the young people need to get extra work we did it in the 60s the 70s the 80s and the 90s it is the cycle of life thank you for that that was emailed to patricia at c103.ie okay that's where I have to leave you for uh, today uh, thanks to John Paul for taking your calls today and it was it was really really busy in producing the 
programme. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.